Let's now turn to God's Word, and we'd like to read God's Word this evening from Luke chapter 23, and also a few verses from Luke 9, as printed in our bulletins, and in Luke 23, we begin there to read at verse 13. Luke 23, beginning to read at verse 13, and reading then through verse 32. This, of course, is part of the Passion account of the Gospel of Luke relating to the the suffering and, indeed, the death of Christ. So beginning then at verse 13, this is the holy, inspired, infallible word of God. We read as follows, Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man, he's referring there to Christ, to me as one who incites the people to rebellion And behold, having examined him before you, I found no guilt in this man regarding the charge which you have made against him, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore I will punish him and release him. I was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man, and release for us Barabbas. He was the one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, Why, what evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent, with loud voices, asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. And they released the man they were asking for, who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, but he delivered Jesus to their will. When they led him away, they seized the man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of people, of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they began to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, come, cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green... What will happen when it is dry? Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. And then I turn back to Luke chapter 9, and there I'd like to read verses 23 and 24. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, where our Lord Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And we read there, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Back to uh, Luke 23, I just want to read the text then for Uh, the message tonight which is verse 26 it speaks to what happened when Jesus began his uh, or was on his uh, way to the cross when they led him away 
they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. Now you know the reason for the title, Carrying the Cross. One of the practices, dear people of God, that takes place every year during this time is that some Christians will travel to the country of Israel or to the Holy Land, as many refer to it, although it isn't really that in in God's eyes. Even so, certain Christians will go to Jerusalem at this time of the year to retrace the steps that our Lord Jesus took when he was led out of the city to the hill called Golgotha or Calvary, where he was to be crucified. The largest such procession typically takes place on Good Friday. And that road or that route that people walk is often called the Via Dolorosa. Maybe you've heard that expression one time or other. Via Dolorosa is a Latin expression meaning simply the way of sorrows. And along that way there are various places where people then will stop and they will pray and meditate for a little while. Places that are also called stations of the cross. Each of those stations, places where they stand for a while, represents some special event that happened to Jesus as he went to the cross, or claimed at least to have taken place there, because some of those stations represent events that are not at all recorded in the Gospels. One, for example, marks the place where Jesus supposedly met and spoke for a while to his mother Mary as he was walking to Golgotha. But none of the gospel writers indicate anywhere of a meeting between Jesus and his mother. Though the Bible does say, to be sure, that Mary stood there near the cross where her son was to be crucified. And three other stations mark three places on the road to the cross where Jesus, they say, fell down. Though there is really no biblical record of that either. In fact, really, you know, no one today really knows where that way to Golgotha was or went originally. For that matter, no one really knows for sure where the hill of Golgotha is or was. And so the Christian tourists who are walking that Via Dolorosa, many of them spalling little crosses, uh, they cannot know for sure, of course, where the suffering Savior once walked on his way to the cross. But now I thought for a while this evening, you and I too might well walk the road to Calvary. And not, not a little sense, to be sure. But in our minds and in our hearts, we wish to go back again for a while to the original walk of our Savior to Golgotha and what the Bible says about it. It's kind of like that familiar hymn puts it, King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy throne thorn-crowned brow, lead me, lead me to Calvary. And where, according to the Gospels, did that road lead to Calvary? Well, it began at Pontius Pilate's judgment hall. Even though Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent, he condemned our Savior to death. He sentenced him to death even though he wanted him to be released. And after that, the Roman soldiers planted a crown of thorns on our Savior's head. 
and they put a purple robe on him as though he were a king and then they began to mocking saying hail hail king of the Jews they didn't really understand that actually he was a king not a king just over the Jews in the, in the, in the sense but also the king over all the earth and after that our savior began his final journey to death he was led through the narrow streets of the city of Jerusalem uh, and then from the, as, he, as the procession continued on he went through the city gate he went outside the city wall and headed toward the hill called Golgotha a name that means place of the skull and that's where the crucifixion would take place and now we don't read of too many things that happened during that last and torturous walk of our Savior to Golgotha but we do know some things that happened on that way Luke records two events that occurred during this walk as you heard from our scripture reading tonight one involved a group of women who were mourning and lamenting over Jesus suffering and of course they, they meant well yes they did but Jesus urges them not to weep for him but to weep for themselves and for their children as Jesus in a sense that was predicting that coming disaster that would befall them when the city of Jerusalem would be destroyed in AD 70 by the Roman armies and thousands of Jews and little children were destroyed and slaughtered but there is one other event which the gospel writer records that happened to our Savior on that Via Dolorosa this road of sorrows and you know they mentioned it kind of in passing almost it may seem to be a rather small insignificant event and yet this incident is specifically recorded in God's holy word not only in the gospel of Luke but also in the other gospels so it must have some meaning and it is that a certain man by the name of Simon of Cyrene was conscripted by the Roman soldiers to carry the cross of the Savior, of Jesus, for him. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all mention this fact. And to, to record once again how Luke records it, or says it, in chapter 23, verse 26, our text, when they led him, that is Jesus, away, they, meaning the Roman soldiers, seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. Now, that's a striking detail, at least I find it so. Here was a man who actually carried the cross of Jesus. In fact, he was the only person, the only person other than our Savior himself who carried his cross. And this evening I thought we would glean some truths from this. Uh, not to read into this incident more than there really is here but we do want to note some biblical lessons that are found in this and elsewhere in the scriptures as regards carrying the cross and first of all we like to look at the Savior carrying the cross and then secondly we like to look at the sinner carrying the cross of Jesus and thirdly we want to look at the Christian in his calling to carry the cross for Christ. Now, first of all, we should look at our Savior here, as always, because was he who was the true cross bearer. 
And he was that, dear friends, in a, a literal sense and also in a deeper sense. Jesus did for a while carry his own cross to Calvary. John writes in his gospel, chapter 19, verse 17, they took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, and it says, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. You see, that was actually part of the punishment that was inflicted upon those who were sentenced to be crucified. The Romans would force those to be crucified to carry their own crosses, their own instruments of execution to the place of their death. That was the indignity that was heaped upon those who were condemned. They had to walk through the streets of the city in the full view of the crowds lined alongside the roads uh, who saw and to see, to see these people seeing that person going by and carrying his own cross on his back. And you can, you can be sure that those wooden crosses, such as our Lord Jesus had to bear, were not a light load. Uh, some people think that the condemned only had to carry the cross beam, the cross section of their crosses uh, to their place of execution. But that's not indicated anywhere in the Bible. If Jesus had to carry his full cross, meaning the cross beam, but also the upright beam, it would no doubt have weighed at least, at least a hundred pounds or more. And remember also that this heavy load was not placed on the back of a man in his full strength. On the contrary, Jesus had already been through 15 long hours of suffering and torture before he took this walk to Golgotha. He had struggled long and hard the night before in Gethsemane without getting any sleep himself. And then they had arrested him. And so he really was up for that whole night as he was tried then during the night before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court. And then they had brought him to Pontius Pilate in the morning. And from there they had sent him to King Herod to stand before him. And then Herod sent him back again to Pilate, who alone ultimately had the authority to condemn him to death. And after Pilate pronounced the sentence of death, they had scourged Jesus with whips. And as I indicated, they had pressed this painful a crown of thorns on his head. And so the body of our Savior had greatly weakened through this entire ordeal. And then on top of that all, then on top of that, he had to carry his own cross to the place of execution. No, no wonder that at some point on that way to Golgotha, he just could not go any further. He staggered under his heavy burden he probably collapsed under it, unable to go further. And now it was at that point, no doubt, that Simon of Cyrene was seized and forced to carry the cross of Jesus further on to the hill of execution. But now when I say that Christ was the true cross-bearer, I mean something much more, of course, than simply that he had to carry that wooden cross. Oh yes, a lot more than that. Because that wooden cross was something really that any human being could carry 
if he was reasonably strong enough. But the real cross, not that piece of wood, but what that piece of wood represented, could only be carried by one, one person. And that person was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He, and he alone, could truly bear the cross. And he did, all the way. Because what did that cross stand for? I think probably all of you here know this pretty well. It stood, of course, for that accursed death that Jesus had to pay for our sins. That cross in the Bible always represents the awful curse and judgment of God upon our sins. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree, God himself had once said. So that Paul would write in Galatians 3 verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's a quotation from Deuteronomy 21 verse 23. And so as Jesus was walking there on that Via Dolorosa, that way of sorrows, on his back wasn't just a wooden cross, but the infinitely great, greater burden of God's curse, his wrath, which rested upon us because of our sins. The prophet Isaiah put it like this in his great chapter, chapter 53. The Lord has laid on him, put on him, the iniquity of us all. That was the real pressing load on Jesus' back, our sin and guilt. Yes, to that cross was fashioned the sentence of God's eternal judgment on our sin. Peter writes in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Notice that Peter emphasizes that Jesus bore our sins in his body. It's true, of course, that he also bore our sins in his soul. When he struggled in that garden of Gethsemane, we hear him say in anguish, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. He was in great agony of soul as he faced that terrible death that was looming before him. Uh, just as people today may be, may be deeply troubled in their hearts over a trial that is facing them, perhaps even the imminence of their own death. But of Christ, of course, for Christ it was much worse because he was facing the awful, hellish death of the cross, which we had to endure the wrath of God on our sins, the curse of eternal death. But let's also remember, let's always remember that Jesus had to suffer in his body for our sin and guilt. So that as he walked along that road to Golgotha, it was his body that was stumbling along in great weakness and pain with that heavy wooden cross pressing down on his back. And that bodily pain and weakness would only get worse once he got to Golgotha and they nailed him to the cross. You see that too was part of the punishment for our sins he had to bear. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Writes Peter. 
But let me just underline once more that only, only Jesus could carry the real cross. Nobody else. They could lift that wooden cross off his back and place it on another man. But nobody could lift the real cross off our Savior's back. The curse of God on our sins. That he had to carry all alone. And he did it. He did it. For us and for our salvation. And for that we owe him, my dear friends, our eternal gratitude. That by his wounds we have been healed. That by his willingness to bear that cross we can live to righteousness. But I'll look secondly a moment this evening at another person who carried a cross. And that was Simon of Cyrene. Somebody once put it like this. Our Savior carried the sinner's cross. But a sinner also carried the Savior's cross. And that's, that's kind of a nice way to put it. As long as we keep in mind, again, that the sinner who carried the Savior's cross only carried a wooden cross. As we indicated a moment ago, there came that point on the way to Golgotha where Jesus actually could no longer go further carrying that cross. And so the Roman soldiers were, were guiding this procession, leading it, were in charge of the crucifixion. Uh, they, came, they, they happened to see this man along the side who was coming into Jerusalem, a man by the name of Cyrene. And they called him so that he might carry that cross. Uh, Matthew and Mark in their accounts say that the Romans pressed Simon of Cyrene into service to bury to bear Jesus' cross. That, that means they clearly forced it. They clearly forced it on Simon. Uh, so this was not something that he was willing to do. There was no honor in this as far as he could tell. But you know, when I, when I think of that, that they had to force him to carry I, I always wondered then, then to my mind, where were the volunteers? Where were the disciples at this point? Where were Jesus' own friends? Was there nobody there that wanted to offer help to the Savior to carry his cross? Well, you see, that was another reason for his sorrow. Those of his friends who were there probably were afraid, too afraid to show their allegiance to him. They were standing back there in the crowd. Some were trying, trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, but they were not ready to show him and offer him their real love and loyalty to him. As he needed their help. In any case, when Jesus stumbled under the weight of his cross, the soldier had to compel a stranger to carry it for him. A stranger had little choice in the matter. And yet, what greater honor and privilege could that man have received than to carry the cross for Christ? We know so little about Simon of Cyrene. <clears throat> His name suggested he was a Jew. Simon, of course, was a common Jewish name. We know he hailed from the city of Cyrene, which is a city located in northern Africa, in what is today the country of Libya. Most likely he was coming to Jerusalem at this particular time to celebrate uh, the Passover. 
as many Jews would do at this uh, most famous or greatest feast of the Jews. They would come in from where they lived to the city of Jerusalem. But little did Simon realize, we can be sure, that during this special trip to Jerusalem, he would be carrying a condemned man's cross. And even less did he realize at that time that that condemned man was no one other than the Son of God, the true Passover lamb through whom God would save his people from their sins. And so it's not surprising that Simon of Cyrene wasn't too pleased with this assignment, no doubt. Here he came walking into Jerusalem while the procession of those to be executed was heading outside the city. And suddenly the soldiers grab him and they order him, Hey, you carry, you carry that man's cross. I think Simon might well have protested, Wait, 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 wait a minute, what... Me? Carry a condemned man's cross? I don't want that dirty job. Don't put me through such shame and humiliation. But the Roman soldiers forced him to do it. He had a trudge with a cross on his back behind the condemned Jesus. And yet again I say, what greater honor and greater privilege could Simon have received in his whole life than to help the suffering Savior carrying his wooden cross? In fact, you know, there's reason to believe that later on, Simon or Cyrene came to realize the blessing, the honor that he had performed, and that he became himself a believer and a follower of the Savior who was crucified. Because if you read Mark's account of this incident, Mark adds the, the little detail that Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Mark 15, verse 21. And since Mark wrote his gospel, as is commonly uh, thought initially for, for Christians specifically that were in Rome, uh, most scholars believe that the logical way to understand his reference there to Alexander and to Rufus is that those sons of Simon of Cyrene were Christians who were known to the believers in Rome. In fact, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, in chapter 16, verse 13, sends greetings to a Christian in Rome by the name of Rufus. Paul writes, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. If that's the same Rufus that's mentioned by Mark in his gospel as being the son of Simon of Cyrene, and it's very well possible, I would say even very likely, that Simon of Cyrene also had become a Christian, a follower of the Savior whose cross he once carried. And if that's the case, how often his mind must have turned back to the unforgettable day when he walked there behind the Savior to Golgotha, carrying the cross of Jesus and then to think that he was especially appointed by God for that special service. A sinner carrying the cross on which the Savior would die for sins, including his own sins, Simon's sins. Oh yes, Simon may have carried the wooden cross for Jesus. But if indeed he became a Christian, Jesus carried the accursed cross for him.
also. Who could have asked for more? And that thought leads me now finally and thoroughly tonight to consider one more kind of cross-bearing. Because if Simon of Cyrene carried our Savior's cross, although Simon was only himself an unworthy, doomed sinner, but if he received that special privilege, then we ought to know that Christ has also given us a similar and honored privilege. And you know what it is? It is that we too must carry a cross. We too are to be cross bearers. We too must walk behind our Savior carrying a cross. That's the privilege and honor of every true Christian. All who claim to believe in and follow Christ have a cross to bear as our Savior had a cross to bear. That's one way that we are called to imitate Christ. And this was mentioned by our Savior himself when he was on earth. And he mentioned it on more than one occasion. But one of those was the one I read tonight from Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Where Jesus was informing his disciples of his upcoming death. And he tells them in verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things. And be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. And be killed and raised up the third day. But then Jesus adds this. In verse 23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, what is that cross that we must carry? Well, notice first, it is not Jesus' cross. Jesus does not tell his followers, now you must take up my cross daily and follow me. We, we can't carry the cross of Jesus. That real cross, that is, which represented the curse on our sin. As we said earlier, he alone could carry that cross. And he had carried it all by himself. He did so and he hung on that cross alone to endure its physical and spiritual agony in our place. Jesus has already now died for us once for all. Nobody has to do that again. Nor may anyone even attempt to do this. We have really no urgent reason to join any kind of tourist group or pilgrim band to retrace the steps of Jesus as he walked on the Via Dolorosa. Much less to do what some misguided Christians have done, literally carrying crosses on their own backs, their own bleeding backs, thinking that somehow by duplicating what Jesus went through, they will earn some special merit with God. No, we don't need to do that. We may not do so, thinking it will help us earn God's favor. Our Savior has walked the road of sorrows, and no one needs to walk it again. That ordeal of suffering is done. As Jesus himself said when he cried out from the cross, it's finished. It's done. Anyone who tries to add anything to the saving and atoning work of Christ on the cross has denied the power of Christ and of the cross. But notice Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Or we could say that we must take up our cross. I must take up my cross to follow him daily. What does that mean? What is our cross? What does that mean? It means different things. But that cross includes all the suffering that we must endure, anything that we may have to endure for the sake of our faith in our Lord. Whatever it costs us to be his followers, that's our cross. It can be many things. It can be ridicule that we have to endure because we openly confess Christ to be the only Savior and our Savior. It may be the cold shoulder from a person that we work with or or just being passed by maybe even for a job or a job promotion because of our Christian commitment and faith. If anyone here is a college student, it may be that you get some special treatment from your college professor who doesn't believe what you believe. And that special treatment is that you don't get as good a grade as you really should have. That cross may be negative coverage in the media of our Christian positions and activities. That cross may be telling Christians what they may do or not do and restricting us in the exercise of our faith. That cross may be being shunned by family members even and friends who are not Christians in many countries. That cross includes physical suffering, pain, imprisonment, death, inflicted on those who have become believers in Christ and confess him. Anything that a Christian must endure for the sake of his Lord is bearing a cross. Not Christ's cross. That's our cross. And we must bear it daily, says the text, says Jesus. It's not an isolated occurrence. That's our calling every day. It's our daily calling till we die. We must always be ready to bear the cross. Someone has said Christianity that has no cross in it has no power in it. Those who will not carry a cross will not receive the crown of victory. But if you say, why must we carry the cross if Jesus carried the cross for us already? Why must we suffer for him then if he already suffered for us? And you know what the answer is? It's another question. Isn't it a privilege? Is it not a privilege to carry a cross for him? Because then we are like Jesus. Then we are imitators of our Lord. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3 of his letter that he wanted to share in Christ's sufferings and be conformed to his death. Paul meant not that he could be like Jesus in terms of or share his sufferings, in terms of bearing what Jesus had to endure, but at least to be like him to suffer for him and even then to die as Christ was put to death it's kind of like a mother or a father standing at the bedside of a a child who may be suffering or perhaps dying they cannot experience what their little child is going through but they want to share in their child's suffering and so we are to be imitators of Christ carrying our cross, that we may have fellowship with him, as it were, in his sufferings. And then there's a second reason why we must carry a cross, is that we might become stronger believers and disciples, more sanctified, more holy, 
more committed, more obedient to our Lord. Because it is through suffering and cross-bearing that our faith is going to be refined and made stronger. Just as gold and silver are refined as through fire. All of our suffering, in fact, we can say, all of our suffering, our bodily sicknesses and weaknesses, our pain and sorrows as we go through life, which are common to men, all of these are the result of our fallen condition, but they all are intended for the Christian to bring us even closer to God and to prepare us for eternal glory with him. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8 verse 17, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. And so let us leave tonight thankful, thankful to him who bore the cruel cross for us, the cross which paid for our sins and saved us from everlasting death and hell. And then let us count it a privilege to walk behind our Savior, as Simon of Cyrene did, but we carrying our cross for the sake of the crucified Christ, now risen from the dead and Lord of all. Then like him, we shall receive the crown of glory which never fades away. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that we may once again this evening have been impressed by the wonder of your grace and by the blessed Savior whom we love and serve, he who was willing to bear the cross for us. And we pray that we may be grateful that he was willing to endure it for us in our place, for no one else could have done so. We rejoice in that great Savior again, and we ask that you will help us, O Lord, to respond with thankful hearts and lives, and also, O Lord, with a willingness to do what he has commanded his followers to do, to be his disciples, that like him we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Lord, whatever that cross may be for each one of us here, we pray that we may be ever ready to bear that cross so that we may be imitators of him who has delivered us from the curse of the cross. Oh, may it be us for us be a badge of honor and privilege to be like him. And so we pray that you will strengthen us in our faith and love for him. In his blessed name we pray. Amen. Let's respond, congregation.